this morning, I do have a word from the Lord, I believe, for you. And uh, um, I'm going to pray that it's a little bit out there. And so I'm going to pray that that God takes it from the out there to the in here. And uh, let's just pray. Father, Lord, I believe that this is something that you've spoken to me. I believe that this is a work you've been doing in my own life. And so, Father, let it go from the out there to the in here. Where, Father, where these ones here today, Lord, that this is a word for them as well, Lord, that they'll be able to lay hold of it, that it would become a word for them as well, that they'd be able to walk in it and work it out. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. So uh, that, that's actually a picture from our Israel trip. So it is a bit exciting <laughs> to have that up today. It's a new day. Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father that we too may have a new life. How exciting is that? That God has for us a new life. And it's not just another life on earth the same as the other one, only new. It's a new life. It's supernatural. It's walking with Him. It's a dimension beyond this earth. It's a life where there's a crossover. Where, it's where, where he has come down to us and the times we go up to him. So there's that interaction between the hearing now and the there and the dimension of the spirit. And so, so, so the message today started for me on the Israel trip, which is why that picky's up there. And um, I, I, we've shared a little bit about the Israel trip. And so some of this you kind of have already heard. Um, and, and yes, I, I probably went on the Israel trip in part because I, I knew that Helen would enjoy it so much. Well, when it was first announced, I'm sitting on the front row and I'm going, oh, I, know, I, just, I just know that my wife just wants to be there. So I just knew that we had to go. And, um, <laughs> you know, so, so that was my primary reason for going. And Helen did have a wonderful time and that was lovely. And, uh, but my secondary reason was you hear people come back from Israel and they talk about the encounter they've had. So there was that secret excitement in my heart well, Lord, I want to go because if you've got an encounter for me that's in Israel, I want to have it. And so for me, that happened on the um, Sea of Galilee. I had probably two encounters with him over there, but the really big one happened on the Sea of Galilee. And um, you've probably heard me say this before. I felt a bit ambushed because you're on this boat and it's called the Jesus boat. And, you know, the, God's having, the guy's having a bit of fun and he was a bit of a character and... Uh, you know, he's going, oh, Ozzy's on board, Ozzy's on board. So he's playing the, the Australian national anthem, you know, and everyone's just, you know, whatever, having a bit of fun around being an Aussie or whatever. But he cuts straight, straight from the national anthem to, you know, that chorus, Let It Rain? And it was a powerful rendition of it. And the moment that cut in, it just rained, you know. <laughs> and I was gone, I was lost, you know. There was no, there was no, oh, I'm hoping you're going to meet God out here. It was just bang, just gone, completely gone. And all I can say is that it was an encounter with Jesus and what he was saying was it was an invitation to come out of the boat with him. And no, I didn't run over to the railing and jump over. (laughs) And they've got these really high railings on the front of the boat. So I think it is something that people do. You know, they get this thing, oh, you know, I'll walk on the water with Jesus, you know. And so, so he actually warned you not to do that, <laughs> saying, you know, whatever you feel, don't do that. So I didn't do that. But it was, no, I wasn't tempted to, I wasn't tempted to jump in. 
But there was that encounter where Jesus was saying, what about coming out of the boat and walking with me? And so this message is about the seven-month journey of, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Because, you know, we, we, we can think about, you've probably heard messages about this, and we'll read the scripture in a moment, about Jesus getting out of the boat and walking on the water. And, and often they're in the context of um, doing something out of the ordinary, you know? You know, giving a lot in an offering or going to being a missionary in China or whatever. And when you look at someone like Stephen Margot, and they're in Liberia, they've stepped out of the boat, you know? They're right out of their comfort zone, they've stepped out of the boat, and there they go. But today, and what God's been talking to me about this, these last seven months, is more along the lines of, well, there's a supernatural life to live with Jesus. I can stay in the boat if I want to, that can be my choice, or I can forsake the boat and, and, and choose to enter into, because he's, he's offering it, so I can choose to enter into the fullness of the supernatural life that he's got for me. <laughs> that's good, you're on board. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let's read the scripture. Uh, we're reading it from Matthew, it's in a di- couple of different uh, gospels. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, "'Take courage,' It is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. So we've all got boats, haven't we? And obviously I'm not talking about like a physical boat. I'm talking about an environment in which we do life. And so, you know... We've created that over the years, haven't we? You know, we're a product of our upbringing, we're a product of our environment, we're a product of our education, we're a product of the experiences that we have had in life, and so we have this boat. We have this boat that we do life in. I remember coming down, um, it was after Helen and I had been up in North Queensland for a number of years, and uh, we were having dinner with my mum and dad, and I'm sitting at the table, and my dad was at one end of the table and I was at the other end, and I'm looking at my dad going... That's me. I do that. That's me. And I'm sitting there thinking, when did I become my dad? You know? It's, but, that's, but that's the boat. It's the boat that we come into. And, and, and it's not just the environment. It's not just our family. We have ministry boats, you know, because we've been to a Bible college or we've been to a church or we've been to... So in these ministry boats, so, so Pastor Mark has come out of Paradise. Paradise is a church that makes good boats. So, you know, so the training is had down there, the whatever, it's good boats. I've come out of Rima. Rima also makes good boats. I know there are other people that have come out of ministry streams that also make good boats. But they're still boats. They're mechanisms in which we do things. They're a way of doing things that we're comfortable in, that we understand, that we've done it a certain way. So, So the disciples were in a boat. Yeah? Now, was it a good boat? Absolutely. You know, so their fathers had taught them how to build boats. Their fathers, 
fathers had taught their fathers how to build boats and they were good. Going fishing on the lake? Yeah, perfect, great. But what was the problem? What was the problem that they had on this day? It wasn't that the boat wasn't any good. The boat's great for what they normally do. But what does it say? The wind was against them. Yeah. So there are those times in life where it doesn't matter how great this boat is we're in, there can be a wind blowing where it doesn't matter what boat we're in. We're not making any progress. Yeah. I love one of the versions. One of the versions um, doesn't use that wording. It uses the wording, a contrary wind. Yeah. Have you ever been in a place where there's a contrary wind blowing? Absolutely. Yeah, Ron has. Yeah. In, in my workplace, um, you know, prob- probably like, like many of you, there were times growing up and through the years where the work we were doing was quite physical. And so you'd be doing a site investigation out somewhere and you might have to dig hand dogger holes or um, when we were out on the Burdekin Dam, we'd have to do these field gradings or concrete testing or whatever. And so when we did concrete testing out there, we were, um, you know, the, the concrete had 150 mil aggregate, so six inch rocks in it. So it was huge. And you'd have to sieve those rocks out and uh, before you could do the concrete. So, 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 the, so the work was at times quite physical. And if you've ever worked with blokes where it's physical, you know, that you get this burble going, you know, you get this kind of interaction, yeah. And, you know, and someone, and so I can just imagine them, you know, they're, they're rowing, this is what they did. You know, I, I don't think they were thinking about Jesus, I don't think they were thinking about, you know, Jesus walking across the water to them or anything. They were fishermen, you know, they'd rowed that lake lots of times, you know, that's what they did. That's what they're trained. So I imagine Peter there going, you know, come on, Andrew, put your back into it. You know, and the burble starting amongst the guys, oh, yeah, well, you know, you know. And, and somehow in that, somehow in that, when you're doing those difficult physical tasks, even though there's a bit of stirring one another, you know, oh, you're not, you know, whatever, 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 somehow the whole team lifts. And, you know, and so I imagine that's what they're doing. And you see it on a football field, you know, the chat, you know, where there's a chat on the field, you know. And, and, and as soon as you see the team where there's no chat, where, um, you know, they're the losing team that's not doing so well. But where there's the chat, you know, they're keeping each other up. And they... So I imagine that happening in the boat, you know. So here they are, they're doing everything they know. They're rowing hard. They're used to being on the river there, you know, kind of stirring each other along. Come on, come on, come on, we can do this. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're getting nowhere because a contrary wind was blowing. So just before we get to Jesus actually coming to meet them, let's talk about the 24 hours that Jesus had leading up to that moment. Do do, do you know what his day was then? And it's probably an unfair question. His day started 24 hours ago. So this is about 4 o'clock in the morning that he's walking across the water to meet them. So his day started the previous morning learning the news that John the Baptist had just been beheaded. So whammy, there you go. Your cousin's just been killed. They did with him whatever they wanted to do. So the first thing Jesus does, and I'm assuming it's early in the morning, it doesn't say, but I'm assuming it's fairly early in the morning. He says, well, come on, guys, let's get in the boat. Let's go to a solitary place. So he heads off down. He heads off down the lake looking for a solitary place. But, of course, what, what happens is the people see him go, and they get there before him. So he gets to this solitary place, and the crowd's there. The mass is there. They're all looking to Jesus for healing. They're looking to Jesus for ministry. 
So he then spends that whole day healing the sick, binding up the broken, sharing with them about the grace of God, ministering to their needs. <laughs> He's laid aside his pain. Yeah? Late in the afternoon, the disciples come to him and they say, send them away now. You know, you know they'll get hungry. Send them off, send them off, send them off. And Jesus says, no, 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 get them to sit down in groups of 50. We're going to feed them. Yeah? And so there's the multiplying of the food. It says that there were 5,000 men plus women and children. So he then feeds them. So he spent the whole day doing miracles, ministering to their needs. And then once they were all satisfied, the healings that happened, they were fed, they were ready to go back to their homes. He sent them away. He sent the disciples across the lake. And then he goes up onto the mountain. I don't know about you, but I love that that is the Jesus that we serve. Yeah? He, he put aside, you know, that... that the whole reason of being on earth wasn't for him, it was for us, you know? And here he is just ministering, 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 forgetting about his own personal pain. And then when we was all satisfied, he goes up onto the mountain, sends his disciples away. And he was actually processing two things then. He was processing the fact that John the Baptist had just been killed, and you know the story. It wasn't in a nice way. You know, it was basically a party stunt. You know, it wasn't, there was no considering this man. You know, um, we're told that of John, you know, that, that born among women, there was never someone like him who lived. And yet his life was taken as really a party stunt. But there was also the, the other thing that Jesus was processing. Because we read just a couple of chapters later that Jesus said, says to his disciples, you know, they did everything they wanted to to John in beheading him and they're going to do the same to me. Not necessarily talk about being beheaded, but, you know, the mass and the crowd having their way in, in treating him badly and resulting in his death. So they're pretty big things to process, aren't they? <laughs> so he's up on the hill working through all this stuff and he comes to his disciples in the boat. And I love it. If we're thinking about this whole thing of the invitation to come out of the boat, it's a Jesus initiating, you know? This isn't the guys in the boat sitting in there going, if only we had Jesus, we need Jesus, we want this, you know? No, no, no. It was again him seeing their need and coming to them. Yeah. Yeah. But today I want to spend some time talking about our boats. You know, our boats are the place where we feel comfortable. Our boats are the place when we're stressed, that's where we go. Our boats are the place that we kind of do life out of. They're, the, they're, they're our go-to place. They're our... You know, they're, they're the way we've learned to do things. They're, they're the things that we've tested and tried, yeah, and made them good. So, so, so our boats are a very comfortable place. So it's not, it's not a place that we really want to leave. It's, um, it, it's, it's definitely a place where we're comfortable. So, so, so I have a little boat. Give me a wave if you've got a little boat. Yeah, I know Dave's got a boat. Yeah, some of the, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah? Okay. Well, well my boat cost $900. I, I bet yours cost a little bit more than that, Dave. <laughs> my boat cost $900. So you can imagine what I got. Yeah? And over, the, over time, I was able to buy a motor and different things. But the first thing I did was I made padded seats. Yeah? I was going to be comfortable. Yeah? So my boat, yeah? So if you came out fishing with me, you had something nice and comfy to sit. Yeah? It might not be a glamour boat, but there you go. You had somewhere nice and comfy to sit. And I remember fishing with Helen one time, and uh, we don't do it a whole lot, but on this one occasion. Um, and, and I think, you know, there's always a system, isn't there? You know? And so Helen had kind of got the system of the boat. And so it had kind of clicked for her. And so the tools were in the boat box, you know? So everything relating to the boat was in the boat box. So if you wanted fishing tackle, that's in the fishing tackle box, you know? So it's all so, so all you had to do was know the system, and then you could find everything. So even someone could come into the boat, once they knew the system, and like, I'm not that ordered of a person, but you need some measure of order, yeah? So once you knew the system, you could find whatever you need. That's our lifeboats, isn't it? Like the boat, the boat we do life in, not a lifeboat, but the boat we do life in, that's what it's like. We know where things are. We've made it comfortable, yeah? And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, though, that in the world we live in today, that there's a contrary wind blowing. And we'll come back to that in a minute. We'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah. So when we're in our boat, there's a sense of comfort, there's a sense of control, there's a sense of all those kind of things. That's fine in normal circumstances. But they had a contrary wind blowing. So it didn't matter what boat they were in. It didn't matter how well they knew it. It didn't matter how comfortable it was. They were going nowhere. And you know, there's a sense in the world today that there's a contrary wind blowing. But the beauty of this whole story is we don't have to stay in the boat. The boat not be able, might not be able to progress anyway, yeah? But we can get out of the boat and walk with Jesus and come into that anointing where there is space to go. I love the fact that Jesus initiated this. He came to them. And so in the world today when we're facing the challenges that we are, it's his initiating. He comes to us. And yes, Peter engaged with that, saying, well, Lord, can I come to you out on the water? And when you read that story, he actually came out. He was walking on the water. He was coming towards Jesus. So it wasn't like he just stepped down and, oh, there's, there's he, there he's gone. There was this thing that he was actually walking on the water. And, sorry, excuse me. All of the disciples could have shared that experience. So there's this thing that we don't like to get out of our boat, you know? But all of them could, you know? Peter could actually have walked right across to Jesus. And then Andrew could have said, oh, gee, I want to go now, you know? Can, can we all come out there? And they could have all been out there. In fact, they could have left the boat out there and all walked back to the shore if they had wanted to do that, if that's what they had chosen to do. I guess someone needed to row the boat. I need someone needed to bring the boat back. Yeah? So there's, so there's this thing, this supernatural thing, where, where we have this experience. Yeah. And it's supernatural, isn't it? This, this, this is, this is, so what we're talking about isn't something that's natural. 
We're talking about something that is supernatural. Yeah. And it's interesting. So once, 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 once Peter was actually out there, it says, when he, saw the, when he saw the wind, it doesn't talk about the waves, it says, when he saw the wind. And so it was the wind that was contrary. It was the wind that was the thing that was stopping them. It was this wind that was blowing. But my, my question is, wasn't that same wind blowing when it was in the boat? So, so, so how was it any different in that sense? Only that he was out of the boat. He was out of his comfort zone. Yeah. So, so for us to get out of our boat, there's a dimension in which we have to go, well, the, the wind's there, and I'm not going anywhere, so staying there is pointless. Yes, okay, there's still a wind out here, but at least I'm with him, and I'm stepping out into a supernatural zone. Yeah. So I just want to talk for a moment about our boats, coming back to our boats. Now, um, I'm not sure how to put this politely or to say it in a nice way, but our boats have a certain odour. They have a certain smell. Now, the boat that they were in, I'm guessing it was a fisherman's boat. Now, if you've used a boat for fishing for a number of years, and we assume they had, yeah? What do you reckon it smelled like? Yeah? <laughs> yeah? What do you reckon it smelled like? Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, Dave. Mate, I don't, do you fish with bait or do you fish with lures? Lures? Okay, well, I, I'm a bait fisherman. I find when I... When you fish with lures, you catch occasional fish and you catch really big ones, yeah? But when, when you fish with bait, you catch lots of fish, but they might be little ones. And so I haven't got the patience to wait in the places I go for the big fish. So I like to be out there catching lots of fish. But what that means is that because I'm fishing with bait, you know, it doesn't matter when I come home how well I clean that boat, the next day it has a certain odour, yeah? So our boats have a certain odour, yeah? But the thing with that is, if, you, if you're in that boat long enough, you don't smell that odour, do you? You know? It's just, it's just, it just becomes part of life. My point in all of that is this. In the things that have shaped us in life, there are things that have come that aren't great, you know? Let's call them smelly things. Whatever you want to say, yeah? Yeah? There are things that have come. But my experience is, and I believe you can back it up from Scripture, that when you step out of your boat and then you're out in this supernatural realm, those things that have been a bit smelly that have been part of our lives just naturally fall away. So this is a place of supernatural stuff. So, so long-term things that we've struggled with, somehow when we're out of the boat, on the water, just disappear. And, and I think, I don't really understand it, but I think it's something where, where God is saying to us, well, you can stay in that boat if you want to, but that means you have to stay with those things. Whereas if you're willing to come out of the boat with me, well, guess what? Those things aren't coming because you're going to be in my presence yeah, and so somehow in the transition out of the boat and the walking in the supernatural realm out on the water, those things that we've longed to see for so long fall away from our lives, just fall away. Yeah, yeah. So that's actually a really, really exciting part of this whole deal, that this supernatural life brings a supernatural rising up over the things of the world 
and the things of the flesh, the things of the enemy. Yeah. So today in the world, there's a contrary wind blowing. And, you know, we see it with COVID-19, we see it with other things, you know. You know, you can't turn on the media without, you know, something happening with China and, you know, spies here, spies there, whatever. Yep. There's a contrary wind blowing. And the contrary wind would try and constrain us to our boats because we feel safe there. And to give, me, to give you an example of that, um, I feel for bosses, employers at the moment because you've had these, these employees that have had a season of being able to work from home, yeah? And so not everyone, I know some people have just had work that they've had to go to, but a lot of people have been able to work from home. And so they've been able to get up late because they don't have to battle the traffic. They don't have to iron a shirt. They can stay in their T-shirt and shorts. Yeah. They can, uh, they, they, they're only three steps from the coffee machine. They, ha- they, they haven't had to, could say, own coffee machine that they like with their beans and their milk and whatever. Yep. Um, they haven't had to battle buses where, you know, where who knows, has a person got the flu or whatever. Yeah. 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 They're at home. They're in their boat. They're very comfortable and they're very resistant to shifting. So I feel, I feel for some employers going, yeah, I bet you're having a challenge getting your workforce back to work. Yeah, so it is. So there's this contrary wind that's blowing and one of the things that's happening out of that contrary wind is there's that pressure, you know, stay at home. You know, you know it's comfortable, it's quiet, it's nice. You can play your music in the background. Yeah, you hate the traffic. You know, you don't even have, yeah, yeah. So I believe that something we're going to have to do as a church is rise up and fight that. We're going to have to say, you know what? I'm going to the prayer meeting. You know what? I'm going to the church service. You know what? I'm going to walk across the road and go and visit that neighbour. You know what? There's um, um, Mark um, Varagis. Mark Varagis' church over in Perth. And uh, I'm not sure whether you know Mark Varagis, but he's, he's probably on the cutting edge of what God's doing in our nation. He's got churches now um, in Malaysia and a whole bunch of churches. He's just, what he's doing is just unbelievable. And uh, um, he's got a slogan at the moment. So he was concerned about his church being shut down, his church being quiet. Yeah? 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 And, and so, so God gave him this little phrase because for them it's kind of been shut down kind of March through September. So March through September they've been kind of shut down and quiet and whatever. So, so he's saying in his church, he's got this saying going, but we're going to march through September, you know. So, so they're going to get up and they're going to march. They're going to march through September. So I think that that's something we have to kind of get as a church where we're going, you know what, we're not going to be shut down. We're not going to be forced back into our boats. We're not going to be quiet. We're going to rise up and we're going to walk with him. Yeah. So if you get text from Pastor Mark encouraging you to get out and do this and do that, and we're not talking about being unsafe. You know, if you've got health issues and it's not good, right for you to be in different places, whatever, we're not talking about that. We're saying, no, 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 where it's reasonable and we can make reasonable steps to do it well, um, we're not going to be constrained in that. Just wonder, could we have the band? Could the band come back up, please? Yeah, thanks, team. We get the band coming back up.
The disciples are being offered an opportunity to walk with Jesus. Jesus is the creator of the heavens and earth. The reason he was walking on the water is because all things were under his feet. Everything. Yeah? Including the water, including the waves, including the wind. Everything was under his feet. And so it's so exciting that the opportunity we've been given is to walk with his one, Jesus, who is Lord over all and who is King. And so for me, I was still getting my head around what it really means. But all I know is that when I was in Israel, there was this invitation to in some new way at some new level to come and walk with him. And that invocation, that invitation had as part of it a forsaking of the things that I was comfortable with. Having to walk away from some of those things that I'd rather do. And so today, so that was my encounter. So today I wonder whether there are people right across this, conversa- this, com- this congregation where God is extending His hand to you, Jesus. Is He saying, well, what about you, Dave? Do you want to come on out on the water with me? You know, what about you? Do you want to come on out on the water with me? (laughs) And I have to say, these last seven months have been quite an exciting adventure. You know, there's been times that I've looked at the wind and gone, it's a bit scary out here, God. (laughs) Can I hop back in the boat with these other guys? You know, they don't seem to be as frightened as I am right now. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's today. Or maybe that's down the track. You know, maybe down the track, you know, you might be, remember this message and go, oh, Lord, that's you saying that to me now, isn't that? Yeah, that's you saying that to me now. And so in some ways I felt a bit nervous about preaching this message because we're all at different places. You know, my moment of that was in Israel. You know, some people here, their moment of that might be today. But some of you, you might be sitting there going, I've got no idea what he's even talking about. You know, maybe your moment is a little way down the track. Yeah. And when that invitation comes, it's not a, well, do I have to take some giant step of faith? Do I have to sell my house? Do I have to whatever? No. All it is, is a response that says, yes, Jesus, I want to enter the fullness of life that you have for me. I want to be with you. And yes, I'm willing to give up anything, you know, anything, really, you know, there's... It's not really wanting to give up anything. It's a more saying, well, there's nothing in my boat that I would rather have than this opportunity to walk with you.